Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash, and let's dive into a new episode. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I want to let you know that I am offering clarity and brand marketing strategy sessions so that I can help you with your messaging. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated starting your business and building your brand? Do you feel like you're all over the place with your marketing and messaging and don't know for sure what your brand stands for? Let's do a one hour clarity, confidence, and content session so that you have one cohesive promise, one direct message across all of your platforms. For a limited time, you can have access to this session for $197. Head on over to therobingram.com slash shop to book your session now. I am so excited to help you finally have a clear strategy for your brand. Wow, do I have a great episode for you today. Abby Stacier is here with me and Abby is a Columbia University grad student and a registered dietitian in the making. She is presently a health coach and she has a philosophy that what is easy is sustainable. What is sustainable will mitigate one's risk for developing chronic illnesses. So Abby and I talked so much about health and wellness, but in light of what has happened in 2020 and the amount of stress that we have all been under between COVID, the elections, Black Lives Matter events, and all of the chaos and just political debating and negativity that has landed on social media and made us all feel heavy and overwhelmed and stressed, all of those things can factor into our health. And it's really important to address the things that we can to prevent complications with our health. And if you think about it, the more stressed we are, the more overwhelmed we are, the more likely our immune system is to fail us and the more likely we are to become ill. And since we have COVID and now we're in the flu season and we're also in those dreadful months of winter when it's dark and cold and dreary and people start to feel down and depressed. All of these things culminate to create more risk for becoming ill in various ways. So Abby is here to tell us today about the five health hacks that we can employ today to start living better, to be better, and to 
feel better and be more productive, which when we're more productive, who doesn't feel better and who isn't more successful? So sit back and enjoy this conversation. I think you're really going to love it. And then at the end of the episode, we actually did a mini coaching session with me. I helped Abby with her personal brand and how she can really stand out on Instagram for her business. She has her personal account. She also now has a business account. So how can she use that business account to promote her personal brands? We talked a little bit about that in a mini coaching session. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn a lot. And I would love for you to connect with me either on Instagram or join the Facebook group, the Brand Marketing Insider, and tell me what you got from this episode. What is one of the hacks that you're definitely going to employ today and implement in your life to make it better so that you can be better and feel better and prevent any further health complications down the road? Abby Stacier, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Robin, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. And I'm super, super excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today because We've lived through such a unique, unprecedented year, right? 2020 has been absolutely insane. And I've heard so many people say to me, especially when I'm working and I have my photographer hat on and I'm working with headshot clients or branding clients and they're like, oh, I gained so much weight during COVID or, oh, I just, you know, I just don't feel myself or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'm very, very happy that you are going to give us five simple hacks that we can employ in our everyday life to hopefully sustain a healthy lifestyle without being overly stressed or overwhelmed or feel like it's impossible. So this conversation is going to be, I think, a real gem for everyone, especially in light of the fact that not only has 2020 been crazy up to this point, but now we're approaching the holiday season when things get even crazier. So with all of that said, I would love to have you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. Like, so, okay, everybody, first, let's just lay it out there. Abby is way younger than I am, but here she is. She's made these incredible decisions for her life. And I can't wait for her to share them with you because she's going to inspire you listeners to take risk and follow what you really feel is the right path for you and not stay stuck in the first phase, but take a risk and jump into the second phase. So Abby, please tell us about yourself. Robin, you're amazing. That was like the best intro. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to dive into our health hacks because you're so right. 2020 has just been a little bit of a dumpster fire, but we can turn it around. We can wring out the towel. We can start 2021 with a running head start. So I'm really excited to give you and your audience all the tips on how to optimize. And really how I started, my plan growing up always was to go to medical school. Everyone in my family is a doctor. I come from a whole family line of physicians and eye plastic surgeons. We actually have a family medical practice, Stacier and Stacier eye care specialists. <laughs> so that is, you know, the legacy that I was born into. So it was just kind of assumed, all right, Abby's going to grow up. My grandfather's going to retire by the time she's done with her residency. It's like perfect timing. She'll, you know, kind of come in to join the family medical practice and we can keep the name and all of that. So I always felt this pressure to go to medical school and I was always surrounded by 
health knowledge and nutrition stuff and different hacks and and the latest research and, but very much medical field heavy. And so I went to college, I was very much into dance, but then I kind of, I switched from that focus to neuroscience. I loved that it was a combination of biology and psychology because I knew that I loved working with people. And I applied to medical school. I took the MCAT twice. It was a seven and a half hour exam. It's absurd. And I didn't end up getting in. I didn't think that I was going to. Most people apply to 20 medical schools. I only applied to five. And I think part of the reason why is because I knew deep down it wasn't the right path for me. There's just something that wasn't aligning about it. And I'm a very studious student, you know, and I, and I get great grades. It's very easy for me to focus. I'm always the person in classes sitting in the front row, showing up early, going to office hours. But for some reason, when it came to doing anything medical school related, I just felt so much resistance. So I was gearing up, getting ready to take the MCAT for a third time, apply to medical school for a second time. And I visited my aunt and she is, she's a physician as well. She's in internal medicine. And I thought that, you know, maybe instead of going the surgery route, I would want to become a primary care physician. So I spent a week in San Francisco with her and we just had such great conversations. And I don't know if you've ever been to Mere Woods, but I would love to tell this quick story because this was, this was my first phase. And this was my eye-opening experience. I need to move into my second phase. We're in Mere Woods with all the, you know, those huge trees. And there were a few trees that were just straight up and they were just, you know, so tall and so sturdy. They had the most access to all of this sunlight. And then there were other trees as you're kind of walking through the woods, these other trees that were like weaving under other trees and so crooked and they just looked so uncomfortable and kind of wilting, just trying to get a little bit of an access to some sunlight. But they were totally bent in a million different directions, looked so uncomfortable, just not healthy, trying to get a little bit of access to some sunlight. And I was looking at these two trees, like this one straight up, so much access to sunlight, just so much taller. And then this almost crippled one and just kinked one. And I looked at my aunt and I was like, I feel like that tree that's just trying to grasp at like almost a little bit of sunlight or happiness and is just totally bent out of shape really. And trying to fit into some mold that isn't right for me, where I look at this other tree, that's just so much more successful, so much stronger, like the path of least resistance almost. And I was like, I want to get there. And my aunt said to me, she's like, well, it's really interesting what you do in your free time whenever you have a free moment, which is very, very little, whenever you have a free moment, you're posting on Facebook, you're posting on Instagram, you're showing your workouts, you're showing your meals, you're giving some health tips and and health advice. You're showing your journaling and your routines and just your day-to-day life. And it's so interesting that that's what you choose to share. And that's what makes you happy and to curate in your free time because you have such little of it. She's like, I think you should look into health coaching, but she's like, but that's just me. I don't know. I know you obviously, you know, have been on this medical school path for so long, but it wouldn't hurt to consider it. So I left San Francisco. I dove into meditation and journaling and trying to figure out, okay, if it's not medical school, what is it? At the time I was working as a medical scribe. So I was an assistant to a primary care physician and I mean, I was just seeing the realities of the medical field in the States and it is 
absolutely horrific. I mean, I was helping to schedule toe amputations because people's diabetes was so far out of control. And one patient, I'll never forget this guy in his 15 minute appointment, because we only have 15 minutes, we put him on his fourth medication to control his blood pressure. Like he was on medications for other things, but just for his blood pressure, he was on four different medications. And I was like, I don't want to be managing these chronic conditions. I really want to get ahead of it. And now that I almost have this interest in health coaching, this is my sign. I really need to be heading this way and really getting ahead of it. So I took that leap, like you talked about, and dove into my second phase. I actually ended up investing all of my savings into a business coach because I was like, I just have this vision. I have this idea to almost create a program that fixed everything I saw wrong in the medical field, not enough time with patients. There's no customization. I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but insider scoop, I was the medical scribe. So I'm there in the doctor's office doing all the electronic medical records and the physician, I was copying and pasting from one patient chart to the next because the physician was giving the same nutrition advice, same exercise, but you know, to each patient, even if it was a 65 year old man and the versus a 27 year old woman. And I was like, that's not right. There's so there's no customization. There's not enough time. There's no accountability. But the health and fitness industry, there's nothing sustainable over the long term. We're just being sold and marketed all these get fit quick solutions. So I really wanted a program that fixed all of that. And I literally invested all of my savings into a business coach. And that was the birth of my brand, Be About Being Better. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So you totally took a risk. I mean, you used all your savings to dive into something that you felt passionate about. And I think we so often lose sight of that. We forget about our values and our visions and our passions. And we just go through motions every single day, just fitting into the mold we think we were meant to fit into. So I love that you had a vision of what could happen. Your values you know, align right here with, you know, being able to serve other people and help other people and make things better. You're still making a difference in people's lives, even if you don't have MD or DO behind your name. Right. And this way, you're doing it preventatively, like you're helping people avoid those situations where they're just going to get cookie cutter treatment. Mm -hmm. And not every doctor is like that. I mean, there are doctors who can take more time and things like that. But doctors and, you know, from my pharmacy world, when I was still in the medical profession, you know, we would see patients back to back. And you're right, like there isn't a lot of time to individualize treatment plans. And as a pharmacist, you know, a doctor at a pharmacy, my original degree, that's what we did. We got to step in and then help the doctors do that. But not every medical practice has that. If you're not in a teaching institute, you don't have that luxury. That's just another headcount that you have to then budget for. So that doesn't always happen unless you're in, you know, the city or a university setting or whatever. So I love that you saw these things and you saw the need, you identified it. And now you are helping people get to a point in their lives where they can do things so that they don't end up with having to have their toe amputated, which exactly, I mean, let's face it, diabetes is, you know, so incredibly hard to control. You have to be so diligent about checking your sugars, monitoring what you put into your body, exercise, you know, it's, you know, checking your blood sugar levels all day, every day. It is very, very hard. And people do get complacent and they're not compliant. And so that's why they end up in those situations. So for me, you know, from my background, I think this is so incredibly empowering for people 
to be able to have access to someone like you to really make a difference in their lives. So, okay, let's talk about through your journey, you have identified these five hacks that everybody can implement in their daily life to be better. Yes. And I'm going to be looping in. Hope it's okay. You know, some scientific side, because I'm based in New York city right now. So I'm getting my master's at Columbia University's Teachers College. So I'm at the graduate school and I'm working to become a registered dietitian. So I'm going to be looping in some literature because I'm trying to stay up to date with all the latest nutrition info. But the first hack that I'll give people is that we need, and I don't think this is anything necessarily revolutionary, but we need a solid morning and evening routine. And this is something that it's really necessary to keep up, especially now that we're entering the winter blues on top of it. It's also quarantine with the holidays and it being still in this COVID era. Our routines are even more essential because if you're going to be traveling, if you're going to be around difficult family members, especially in the political climate right now, like you need your time to make sure that your mindset is really in the best place that it can be so that you can tackle the rest of your day and your responsibilities to the best of your ability and to the level that the people around you really deserve. Like they really deserve you showing up as your best self. And that's how all of us would want to show up as well. So the way that I help people structure morning and evening routines, I think there's this misconception that a morning and evening routine needs to be, needs to be looking like a CVS receipt where it's just miles long and you got to check all the boxes. And it's really not like that. A really good morning routine is one that enables you to feel how you want to feel walking into your first commitment of the day. So first we have to get really clear on how do you actually want to be operating and feeling during your day, because that will change what few things you incorporate in your morning routine. So it doesn't have to be a whole list of things, just be a few, we can be really intentional about what those things are, but first we have to get clear on how you want to feel and have that really strong vision. And it's the same as if you were setting goals. If you're going on a road trip, for example, You're going to put the address in your GPS and know exactly where you're going to go. And then the path appears. So it's the same thing for your morning routine. You have to know what the end result will be. And then you'll be able to test and do some trial and error, which morning and evening routine is actually getting you where you want to go. So if you want to feel confident, if you want to feel prepared, if you want to feel at peace, ready to go, you know, however it is, pick, you know, two to three adjectives, couple emotions get really clear on what those are and then think about, okay, what is actually going to enable me to feel that way? If you want to feel confident, maybe it is a morning workout. Maybe it is listening to a podcast. If you want to feel calm or at peace or prepared, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's meditation. And I also think the order of things matters, which a lot of people don't consider when they're looking at a morning and evening routine, because you could want to meditate and also exercise. But if you're meditating, like right when you get up in the morning, some people just fall right back asleep. And if sometimes if people, I have some clients that will meditate after they exercise and they're like, I just felt so empowered of my workout, but then I meditated and it brought me down into a lower vibe state. And I didn't like that balance. I'd rather ramp up in the morning and meditate first journal, and then just keep building my energy as it goes and get into a higher and higher vibe as I'm continuously waking up throughout the morning. So I think it's not even just what's incorporated in your morning routine, it just has to be a few things that are the most effective, but the order is something we should also consider. 
And then backing it up, I'm always, you know, working backwards, your evening routine then becomes, okay, what do I need to do in the evening to set myself up for success for what I'm going to do in the morning? So like, yes, we need to wind down from the day, disconnect from work, unplug from electronics, stop eating, you know, all those things be really present with family, present with ourselves, maybe do some journaling or meditation in the evening, whatever gets you to kind of tie the day up with a bow. But part of that is also, you know, do we need to lay out our clothes? Do we need to pack our snacks? How can I make this the smallest barrier for entry for doing what I need to do in the morning so that I can be the most successful? Because if you can make it easy, what's easy is sustainable. That's really my whole motto for what I say to my clients. Like I try and make living healthy, really simple, make it easy because what's easy is sustainable. And what is sustainable then will help mitigate your risk for developing chronic conditions. I know it's like, how can a morning and evening routine mitigate your risk for developing chronic conditions? But like, it's all mindset. It's all stress management and likely, you know, eating well and exercising will be a part of that too. And so that's going to help mitigate your risk. So that would be my first and then you sleep better too, right? I mean, sleep is so important for staving off disease. So my evening routine is I'm so regimented in both morning and evening. And if I miss those, like I don't sleep as well. And, you know, I have to have that time to shut off. And I know that my body feels so much better and my mind is so much more clear when I get my sleep. Yes, I totally agree. And that really segues very nicely into my second health hack, which is rest is success. We really need to be unplugging. We need to prioritize sleep. And I suggest that everyone watches Dr. Matthew Walker's TED talk. It's only 20 minutes. I believe it's called sleep is your superpower. He gives so many stats. He's done so much research on sleep. And if you're not getting enough sleep, even if you're sleep deprived by an hour, right? So daylight savings time, for example, your immune system is significantly compromised. And in the COVID era, we can't put ourselves at risk like that. And so many of us are already immunocompromised because we have these other chronic conditions. So I believe he says it's by 70% that your immune system is compromised, even if you have one hour less of sleep. Wow. Isn't that wild? It's just like, so we can't, we can't risk it. We really can't. And it just, it impacts your mood. It impacts your digestion. It impacts your hunger hormones if you're sleep deprived. And so if we're entering the holiday season where we're even more tempted with sweets and treats and alcoholic beverages, and now Starbucks has all the cute winter cups that just make it even more convincing to go get a little treat or cake pop or something, mocha latte, we're you know even more tempted than ever if we're getting less sleep and our hunger hormones are through the the roof and we're even more hungry. Like if you were sleep deprived, you're going to feel hungrier the next day and it's going to be harder for you to satisfy your hunger. So it's going to take even more to feel satiated. So it's like, you're going to definitely be eating more the next day and likely be craving unhealthier things. So we need to prioritize sleep. We need to prioritize rest so that we're able to keep a level head when we're around different temptations in the holiday season. Because I'm all for, and I tell my clients too, when they join my program, I've had so many clients are like, okay, what's the meal plan? What can I eat? What can I eat? What do I need to cut out? Like, can I eat gluten? All these different things. And I'm like, you can eat 
absolutely whatever you want. I don't restrict any of my clients when it comes to eating. And I don't give any of my clients a meal plan per se. I teach them nutrition strategies. I teach them how to gauge portion sizes, how to structure a plate, how to choose foods with intention rather than being led by cravings, emotions, or social pressures. And you're just more easily able to do that if your body and your system is set up for success and your hunger hormones are optimized. So the easiest way to do that is to get enough sleep. I'm a big, big sleeper. Like I, that's such a priority for me. And I get really like stressed if I think I'm not going to get the amount of sleep that I know I need. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, it is stressful. And if we're not doing that and it just doesn't set us up for success for the next day. And we just have too many responsibilities that we have to show up for definitely high achieving, you know, women. And I assume all of your listeners are as well. We just have many things that we have to show up for. If we care about our responsibilities, if we care about the impact that we want to make in our mission and what our why is, then you're going to take a step back. You're doing your mission and the other people around you a disservice. If you're burning the candle at both ends and not taking time to step away and rest. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, moving into our next health hack, this one is a little interesting as women, we are not taught this anywhere, but for people that are, for women that are still in their, like they haven't started to go through menopause yet, and they're still having their period. I recommend cycle syncing. Have you heard anything about this? I have. And there's a book. I know there's a book and I have not read the book, but I don't know if you've ever heard of this podcast, but Deanna was on my show. Oh gosh, it's been several months ago. Her name's Deanna Francis. She's from Arizona and her podcast is called Lean Into Curiosity. And she did a three-part series on this. And so that's when you would think I would have heard about this like years ago, but I didn't. Nobody talks about it. But anyway, she had read the book and she recapped it and, you know, did those three episodes. So I learned a lot from that. Oh, perfect. Yes. So the book In the Flow by Elisa Vitti. Yes. She is like the cycle syncing guru. And there's definitely other people out there that are leaning into this and trying to educate. And I'm one of Elisa Vitti's like brand ambassadors. I'm like, I'm trying to get her message out as, as much as I can because you're right. As women, we don't learn this in school. We don't hear about this, but this is why so many women are burning out so quickly and why you know, a woman can do the same workout at the beginning of the month and the end of the month and feel completely energized when they do it at the first of the month. And then at the end of the month, they are completely depleted and they have less energy after doing a workout because we're not optimizing our hormones. So one thing that I would really recommend is number one, read this book in the flow by Lisa VT and get on her protocol. If you're still having a cycle now that I've been doing this for almost a year, I mean, I feel so aligned. I haven't experienced any burnout and I'm in graduate school, you know, in Ivy league institution, full-time running my six figure business, also full-time. I have a very active dating life in New York city. So that's basically another full-time job, (laughs) all the things. And I feel more energized, more aligned and, you know, just this high vibe state more than ever. So there really is a specific way to eat, exercise, and 
structure your to-do list and your lifestyle based on where you are in your hormone cycle. So my biggest piece of advice for people that want to lean into this, or if they're curious about it, definitely look into Flow Living and Elisa Viti. I definitely talk about it a lot on my page as well. And start tracking your cycle so that you can see where you are so you can start to know what to eat and what exercise to do and you know, when you should RSVP yes to things, when you should say no, when you should do more spring cleaning and back off as administrative tasks throughout your months so that you can go with the grain of your hormones rather than trying to force something. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I so wish my mother had known that and taught my sisters and I that. I think our lives would probably be completely different in terms of just the emotional roller coaster that we've all always been on, you know, where you think you have to achieve all of these things, but there are certain times where your body and your mind just can't do it. And it's not because you don't want to, and it's not because you're not able to, it's because your body isn't at the place in time that it needs to be, to be able to accomplish those things effectively. Mm -hmm. Yes, I completely agree. I do. And really my next health hack would be that we need to let ourselves have the treats. We have to let ourselves have those fun meals. And I'm not saying to indulge in every craving because we got to find a balance with this, but it will be impossible for anyone in this season with the emotions, the uncertainty that we get from this COVID era, in addition to winter blues and holiday stress, it's going to be impossible to find any sort of balance with nutrition during this time if we're restricting ourselves because we always want what we can't have so if you're completely restricting yourself you're going to be thinking about it you're going to be ruminating on it it's just going to it's going to look like even more appetizing it's going to just take up more mental real estate in your head if you're restricting yourself and not allowing yourself to have it and eventually we can only really rely on willpower and discipline when it comes to nutrition for so long and that looks different for everyone that might be 2 weeks that might be a month for some people some people can really stick to a very regimented and restrictive diet for 6 weeks or you can really muster through but eventually it's going to swing the other way you are going to indulge and most people end up overindulging after they've restricted because they don't know when they're going to allow themselves to have that again. Mm -hmm. Then we just go into this, you know, restrict and binge all or nothing type mentality. Whereas we can definitely allow ourselves guilt-free to have some of these things. If we're intentional about when we have it and these treats hold less power over us, if they're available all the time. So that's what I would recommend. I love that too. So this reminds me when my kids were little, I read in a parenting book, something to the effect that, you know, do everything in moderation, but let them have those treats. Because if you don't, they're going to go to someone else's house and then they're going to binge and they're going to gorge themselves with Oreo cookies or Cheetos or whatever the case may be. And it's so funny how we're big dessert people. So we always have had like little treats, you know, for after dinner, if it's not homemade, it's something. And I remember so many times kids would come to my house, they'd be like taking handfuls of cookies or a bowl full of M&Ms or whatever it was, you know, and they were just desperate to have those treats that they were so restricted from. So I totally believe in that, that as long as we do it in moderation, right? And So the best part about what you're saying is it's okay for me to have my Trader Joe's strawberry licorice. (laughs) Yes, it is. I am a huge advocate for that. I love Trader Joe's. You know, good rule of thumb that I give my clients if they're, you know, going into a holiday season or a vacation, something like that, where they're kind of off their routine on like a normal week. 
I give my clients three rules, just kind of rules of thumb. Not all of my clients follow this. I have some clients that really do, especially because I work with very high achieving people. They're like, I like the structure and the rules. So for some clients, I'll say, okay, I'm going to give you three rules and you can break one of them. And if it's Thanksgiving, for example, or like a holiday, right? Or a time when you're traveling, you can break maybe one and a half of these rules. So the first one is you have to hit all of your nutrition goals and eat clean that day. You need to get in exercise, get a workout and get some sort of movement in. And the third is no alcohol. So especially during the holiday season, you might think, okay, Thanksgiving, maybe I'm not eating the cleanest. Maybe I'm having some alcohol and I don't know if I'm going to get a workout and I don't see myself doing the turkey trot. So you might be thinking, okay, I'm probably going to break all these rules. So if we look at just Thanksgiving as an example, we could try, we could definitely get some sort of workout. I'm not saying you got to you know, sign up for the five or 10 K. Ain't nobody got time for that. You don't have to do that, but you could get some movement. There are so many at-home workouts that you can do. You can pull something up on YouTube. You can do a walk around the block, 60 second plank. You can get some sort of movement in maybe right in the morning before things get wild and you want to get it out of the way before the rest of the day. That's not looming over you. I think it was Brian Tracy that came out with that book in this concept, Eat That Frog. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yes. Oh, I love it. So, So people that don't know, the whole concept of Eat That Frog is that if you had to eat a frog every single day, when is the best time to do that? And the best time to do it is right in the morning. You're not thinking about it. It's not looming over you. You just kind of get out of the way, one and done. Okay, thank you. And then move on with the rest of your day. So that's what I would recommend as, as far as movement goes. And then kind of compromising when it comes to nutrition, where I always recommend if we're structuring our plate and you're looking at the plate, the circle, 50% of your plate should be fruits and vegetables, a quarter of your plate carb and a quarter of your plate protein. So that helps, you know, my clients to gauge portion size, especially if they're, you know, at a restaurant or something. But for the holidays, we get a little bit looser with that, where I change it. So it's a little bit of a peace sign where maybe, you know, a third of your plate is carb, third of your plate is fruit, vegetables, and then a third of your plate is protein. So if you could be a little bit looser with that, allow yourself to have a treat and then maybe make some intentional choices when it comes to alcoholic beverages. So maybe not having, you know, one extra glass of wine, but maybe you'll have a lower calorie cocktail beverage that is just, you know, a vodka soda or something like that with lime or lemon and some herbs, which can still be really refreshing and delicious, but lower in calorie. So I think making some of those compromises could be helpful and giving yourself those rules of thumb where it's okay, I'm going to maybe break one and a half on a holiday, but I am only going to break one if it's a normal day. So I think that can be helpful for people. Yeah, those are great. Those are three great rules to try to abide by. And then I like how you give the grace to break one or one and a half, because I think it's really hard when you're with family and friends to be totally good. (laughs) I completely agree. I think it's actually impossible. So that really, you know, leads into my last tip. And this is more, I mean, yes, it's strategy based, but almost more of a mindset based. I find that a lot of high achieving people are stuck in that all or nothing mentality. And a lot of clients will say to me, you know, Abby, I wasn't able to get my workout in today because I didn't have an hour to devote to going to the gym or going to my living room. Now (laughs) we're in COVID times, you know, I couldn't devote the hour. So I didn't do anything. 
where it's like, well, maybe during your lunch break, you could have, you know, walked around the block or did some stretches at your desk or just set a timer for 20 minutes on your phone and did something for 20 minutes, even if it wasn't the complete workout. And I was like, I don't even give hour long workouts to my clients because the research is showing there really isn't from a muscle physiology standpoint, we're just doing, you know, a general workout, obviously elite athletes aside, but, you know, just for the general population and, you know, kind of normal strength training or HIIT workout would, there really isn't anything from a muscle physiology standpoint. There's no difference between 20 and 30 minutes in 45 and 60. So it's like, why wouldn't we just work out for 20 or 30? Obviously, if you're working out longer than 60 minutes and maybe closer to 90 minutes, we might see some differences. But if there's no difference between, you know, 35 and 45, why are we devoting the time when we're so busy? It's something is better than nothing. You make a good point too, because I think I love workouts. So I'm an avid what, what would you call it? Workouter? I don't know. Anyway, you know, some days I have a Peloton bike, so I have 45 minutes and I'll do a 45 minute ride, give myself the five minute stretching or 10 minute stretching, and then maybe a five minute ab workout, you know, something, but other days I have 30 minutes. So I only have 30 minutes. And if I start to think about going over that 30 minute time period, then I start to get stressed and that doesn't help because then my cortisol levels go up. Right. And then that offsets everything. So I love that if you just give yourself that grace to be able to do something and even 10 minutes is better than nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I feel about nutrition too. It's like, if you look at the holiday and you're like, Oh, nothing here is healthy. You know, could we at least do something or have one thing that's healthy rather than totally letting ourselves go? Even if it's you know, having a few vegetables or a smaller portion of some of our treats, or even just hitting your water goal. I mean, water is going to significantly decrease bloating and inflammation during the holidays. I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. neglect this. And really, this is such a cool stat. I'm such a nerd. I thought it was cool when I heard this. When you feel thirsty, you get that urge for thirst. That means you are 2% dehydrated. Your body's already dehydrated when you feel thirsty. In comparison, 15% dehydration is fatal. It's not that big of a gap. So 2% we're dehydrated. That means we're thirsty, but 15% is fatal. Wow. Wild. So yes, we need to be drinking water like it is our job. And what I'll say to my clients sometimes, he was like, if you were going in for, you know, a quarterly review and your job was to drink water, how would you be doing? Would you be getting fired? Would you be getting a promotion, a raise? Where are we, where are we at with this? And most clients, when they start working for you, they're like, yeah, I definitely would be fired. I don't drink enough water each day. So we really, especially during the holidays, drinking water like it's our job, not only is that going to decrease bloating and inflammation, it's going to be natural energy for you. We don't need that extra cup of coffee at our three o'clock slump because we're going to have that natural internal energy, clearer skin, better sleep. It helps to regulate our hormones. Every process in the body needs water to be able to happen with those reactions. So water is absolutely necessary and something I'd recommend for sure. So if you can't get, you know, healthy nutrition in, or maybe a a full-on workout, at least that's something very easy we can control is getting our water intake up. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, if you think about it, like, where do you ever go where you don't see a Yeti or a Hydro Flask or I'm trying to think of some of these other ones, but I mean, there's a million reusable water bottles out there. So we really don't have an excuse because most of them are thin enough that they'll fit in a bag, a tote bag or a handbag or whatever. You can carry it with you and always have it in the car. So you don't have to get to that point where you're already 2% dehydrated. 
Exactly. I think if it's in your line of vision, you're much more likely to remember to obviously drink it, but also refill it as well. Yeah. And if you have a heat water bottle, you said like, I love my Yeti. I have clients that, you know, put so many stickers on their now jeans and things like that. And I love the different Starbucks cups as well. If it's a really cute water bottle, you're going to want to carry it around and it's going to be in your line of vision. You're going to value it more and likely drink more water out of it. And there's something, I don't know what it is. I probably need to see if there's a study on this, but my clients drink much more water if they're drinking it through a straw and they're much more consistent. So there's something about a straw. I don't know what it is either, but I love straws. And I know I'm not supposed to use plastic straws because that's bad for the environment. We have reusable straws and we have the brush that cleans them. And have that at first. And then I'd be sipping a smoothie. I'm like, Oh goodness, this is a no for me. So I definitely made sure to get the little brush too. <laughs> and now they have the metal straws that they have the little pouch. You can carry it in your handbag and take it to restaurants with you. <laughs> yes, I love it. I know my daughter and I laugh. We're like, should we take these with us? We love straws, but it's true. If I have a straw, I'm a lot more apt to drink it. And it's much easier to drink on the go. Yes. I completely yeah. agree. Yes. So funny. So funny. Okay. Abby. So you had on your questionnaire, you had a question for me. So do you want to dive into that real quick before we close out the episode? Yes. I'm not sure if it's the one, I think I might've put a few, the Instagram one, the separate Instagram or the ads. Yeah, you did. You had two. So the first one was, when do you feel you should implement Facebook or Instagram ads into your business versus just organic content? So I am a huge proponent for building your audience organically. I've done Facebook ads and I will tell you that I do think they can be valuable if you are launching a program and if you have already built an audience and already have warm leads. Because if you think about it, when you do ads, you're investing in time to do them or you're investing in another person to do them. And you're also investing in the cost of the ads. And if you really want them to make an impact, they're costly. So you have to factor that in time and cost. And then will you get your ROI out of those ads? If you are launching high ticket online course or something like that, then yeah, you probably will have a good ROI on that. But think about it like this. When you are engaging with people on social media or when you have your own private Facebook group, you're building relationships and making those connections. So you have a warm audience. So when you go to launch something, people are more apt to buy from you because they already know you like you and trust you. When you're doing ads, you're bringing in people from a cold audience. These people don't know you. They're only connecting with you because you're offering them something for free, a free webinar or a free lead magnet or something like that. So my thing is, or my policy, my philosophy is always to build my relationship organically and have warm leads so that when I launch, I'm launching with warm leads and I'm able to sell much easier and faster because they already trust me. Mm. And then your question about Instagram was about building your business page yeah, and how to do that. So there's a couple of things that I think are absolutely necessary. And of course, when you asked the question, I went on and I looked at your business page. So for one, you have your logo in the profile picture, which as a business, that's okay. But here's what I'm going to say to you. People want to connect with the business owner. They want to get to know you and they have to like you and trust you before they're going to purchase from you or hire you for your service. So I always say a logo definitely serves a purpose 
for recognizability, but a logo is not your brand. It is not who you are. So I would suggest having a picture of you there so that people can immediately know who they're going to be working with. Who is this person behind this business? Then your Instagram handle is your business name. And then for the bio component, I always say have at least your first name and what you do. And I don't remember exactly what yours says now. I think it may be health and wellness or something like that. But what I would do is I would say Abby hyphen and then health coach Mm. or health and wellness coach, whatever the character limit is there. But you want to make sure that people know right away that you're Abby, that you are a real person and exactly what you do. Because if you just say health and wellness, I mean, you, you could be a fitness instructor, you could be an author, you could be a public speaker, you could be, you know, a myriad of things. So just make sure that they know specifically what you do. And then they know whether or not they are interested in number one, the content you're putting out, and two, whether or not they'd even be interested in working with you. Because if they're not looking for that type of service or product, they're not going to hang around anyway. So make sure they know exactly what you do. So you're a health coach. And then in your bio, you want to make sure that you have your I help statement. And when you think about doing your I help statement, you want to make sure that you identify who your audience is, what the problem is that they have, and how you have a solution for them, how you're going to help them be the hero of their own story. So like for you, you could say, And this is just, I'm like throwing this off the top of my head, but something like I help or I teach you the health hacks you need for a successful life and business. And this is pretty generic, but something of, you know, you're helping them, you're teaching them and who are they? So do you help women? Do you help, you know, millennials? Do you help Gen Z? Who do you help? And then, so tell them, you know, I help women or, you know, I help perimenopausal women, or I help young women, you know, whatever that is, tell them who it is that you're helping and then how you help them, you know, what you're teaching, but what is that problem you're solving for them? And then of course you want to have a link to your website. If you have multiple things that you could be driving them to in terms of your website, maybe a freebie, a lead magnet or something like that, that you offer to help grow your email list. Maybe you have affiliates that you work with. I know some health coaches have affiliates like you were talking about in the flow. Like if you have a relationship with her, like, you know, do you have an affiliate link on your website where people can go purchase her book and then get a discount, you know, whatever the case may be. But that's when you want to then use instead of just the direct link to your website, you want to use the link tree so that you can actually add the multiple layers of links where you can direct people to. And then... Yeah. So that would be how I would say, you know, to do your bio so that you can make sure that you're connecting with people as a person. And then in those nine squares, the top nine squares of your Instagram feed, when people land, they're going to see those nine squares, right? So you want to make sure that they see you right away. And I know in your Facebook group, you do spill the tea episodes. So those would be great opportunities (laughs) for you to throw in a video in your feed because you could just do a clip of the video or do a clip saying, you know, hey, I'll be going live for a Spill the Tea episode on Thursday at 1.30 and we're going to be talking about in the flow and how you too can, you know, sync your cycle and feel great, have positive vibes and achieve more. You know, you can just do a quick video that says something like that. So then you're there, your face is there, they see who you are, and you get that quick video in. You probably do reels. Reels are so great 
they're quick and dirty 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that would be some way, but definitely an image of you in that nine squares so that people can easily recognize that you are the person, you're the brain behind the business, and you're the one that's going to lead them down this path to a better, healthier lifestyle. Yes. I love all this because right now I do have my personal page where I feel like I, you know, I have my, I help statement. I try and really optimize my top nine and, but bringing that also to the business Instagram more as well. sounds like that would be more beneficial. I'd love that. Thank you so much. This is nice. Yeah. Just because people are going to connect like quotes and memes and all those things are great, but people want human connection. And I think that when you're talking about health and fitness, but health in general, it's such a vulnerable topic and people are so sensitive to it. And, you know, they really want to do good and be better, but they don't always know how. And so to admit that is hard. And then, you know, the struggle, especially people who are struggling with their weight or maybe who have been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease or diabetes or heart disease, you know, they're kind of embarrassed. How did I get here? Why am I feeling this way? They really need to trust you. And they also need to know that, you know, you're there for them and you're going to carry them through so that they don't ever have to go through the complications that could be in their future. You're going to help them prevent that from happening. So all of that is just showing up as yourself, this, you know, bubbly, happy, beautiful woman, they're going to, you know, be able to connect with you more and they're going to trust you more. Yes, definitely. Oh, Robin, you're amazing. I just got a little free coaching session. I love it. (laughs) My pleasure. No, I am happy to help. I love this stuff. I absolutely love it. So, okay, Abby, please tell the listeners how they can connect with you, where they can find you, share that Instagram profile that you're going to now make all pretty and fancy. Yes. So my Instagram, that's where I hang out the most. I am on Instagram at abby.stacier, abby with an I-E. And then be about being better. It's in my personal Instagram's bio if you want to check out the business page. But I'm also on TikTok. It's wild. We had a few TikToks go viral. I have more followers on TikTok than I do Instagram. It is so fun. So I hang out a lot on TikTok as well. Same thing, Abby.stacier. Oh, that's awesome. And your website is? Yes. So that is beaboutbeingbetter.com. Okay, fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. This was a great conversation and I'm so thrilled that you're giving people these such valuable hacks, the health hacks, so that they can be better and feel better and then live better. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Robin. I appreciate it. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Have you ever wondered about personal branding and what it actually is? Have you ever been curious about personal branding photography? Well, in my Brand Insider Lookbook, I have all the answers for you. The lookbook includes everything you need to know about personal branding photography, how to overcome the fear of being in front of the camera, how to prepare for a photo shoot, and even how to choose a photographer. At the end of the lookbook, we even have a whole series of different poses and looks and ideas so that you can use those resources to create your shot list for the next time you have a branding photo shoot. To learn more and to download the free lookbook, visit my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash resources. I hope you enjoy it. And that's a wrap, friends. 
Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the second phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.